Welcome to 52 Minutes with Paul Rudy, an opportunity to learn about people in our area in a unique one-on-one format. Our host is someone who has spent his entire life growing up, attending school, and creating a highly successful business of his own in our local community. Please join us for the next 52 minutes as we settle in for another enlightening visit with today's guest. Here is our host, Paul Rudy. Welcome, everybody, to Paul Rudy's 52 Minutes With. Today, I have the pleasure of spending 52 minutes with Jimmy John Leoto. And, Jimmy, thanks for joining me today. I wasn't sure you'd do it. <laughs> My pleasure. I'm so happy to be here. This is wonderful. Life's good, isn't it, for you? Life is good. So, life, life speaking good. of that, I, I came across your Jimmy John Leoto website.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought this was kind of striking. You start out with saying, I'm living the American dream, but my life didn't start out that way up until my teenage years. Uh, Family life was very stressful due to serious financial losses and resulted in two bankruptcies from my pop's entrepreneurial ventures. Home life was volatile, but school was worse. I was the fat kid, in quotes, bullied, always picked last, and wasn't a good student. Um, You know, I've heard you mention that before, just all of us hanging around over the years. Yeah. Um, Tell me more about that. And you went on in an interview I heard that said, in my life's always been that way. Sure. Sure. Well, it's, uh, it, 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 it's really interesting because, uh, the the uh, when you I, I did grow up in in in, in a entrepreneurial family. My my dad went. Uh, uh, you know, my, my father was mixed race. He was African American. They're mulatto, and uh, family came up from New Orleans to Chicago. Uh, uh, the generation in front of my father, uh, my dad. Uh, my dad's dad, my grandpa John, was born in New Orleans in 1903. In 1910, uh, my great grandfather had brought the, the 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 five boys to Chicago to break the color line, and they 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 were fair skinned and they combed their hair straight and they changed their birth certificates and they passed as 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 uh, white. And uh, anyway, long story short, my father fought the Korean War and he came and he and he got his college uh, 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 degree from University of Illinois on the GI Bill, and he was the first Leoto uh, to get a uh, to get a college degree, engineering no less. Engineering here, yeah, at University of Illinois, and um, where he met my mother, and and he came out of University of Illinois. And uh, went to work for Grolier Encyclopedia and was a book salesman and sold encyclopedias door to door with his engineering degree from U of I. That's pretty funny, but he did it and he was very, very good at it. And uh, anyway, my father was a, a, a really uh, good designer, inventor, and he he my father was the pioneer of the of the uh, uh, technology called uh, insert molding, which was molding molten plastic around metal. Uh, to reduce the cost of a part. So if a knob, a radio knob, was all metal, the only place you needed the metal was the metal-on-metal contact, and the rest of the knob could be plastic, and, and therefore reducing the cost of the part. And my father was the pioneer. And anyway, 1968, he started his own business, and I was four years old when he did that, and uh, he was bankrupt in 1972. And uh, 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 when we were bankrupt in 72, uh, we had just moved from a duplex to a home in Cary, Illinois. He said, and, and I did the physical move with my mother and my brother. I was in uh, uh, between second and third grade summer uh, in 72. And that was a really hard, physical, hard project that we did. It was all summer. It seemed like it was forever. Anyway... 
we moved to the new house, and a month after we were in the new new house, my father told us we were bankrupt and we were going to have to move out of the house. And that was 72. And then we went 72, 73, 74, 75. In 1976, my father came out of the bankruptcy. In 76, my father invented, really at that time, was CB radio, and CB radios were a big craze. And my father had a uh, designed a CB antenna that was an injection-molded CB antenna. So instead of hand-winding the coil, the, the copper wire around a magnet, which is the core of what a CB antenna base is, my father was molding it. And, 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 he was, and so the, the, the quality of the product was way more consistent, and it was a great product. And what happened was his top salesman, top accountant, um, and a top engineer left, split, stole his design and started up a competing company, and we went bankrupt again in 76. So bankrupt in 72 was traumatic. Bankrupt again in 76 was traumatic and uh, uh, went through that. And, 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 and so at the same time that, that, that we were, you know, didn't have any money. I was, I was a fat kid and uh, we didn't have money. And um, that was a time we even, even now today, I guess it's still okay to, to uh, discriminate uh, uh, against fat folks, uh, which it is because Hollywood still says it's okay to do that. But uh, and they do do it. But anyway, so so I had I had a tough life. My childhood was tough. Uh, and then I left home in 82. Uh, so so um, be- between moves and bankruptcies and uh, uh, running out of money and running out of food. I mean, I knew, you know, I knew what it was like um, uh, and um, uh, and I knew what it was like. So, yeah, I, I it was. Uh, uh, but we made it and we worked hard together and um, uh uh, and I'm not, uh, I'm okay with it. You know, I, I'm really okay with it because it made me what I am. And, uh, 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 and, and, and so anyway, that, 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 that's still, my past. Does, is there part of that? Is there still some pain there or is that gone? You know, the, the, um, the attacks from the, 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 the attacks that I've received since I become a public figure and 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 became a conservative, an active conservative, uh, 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 back in the uh, when when Mitt Romney went was uh, 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 was uh, against Barack Obama, uh, which was just ra- I never knew about politics. I've never needed a favor, never asked for a favor. I'm in the licensing business. I always paid full tax. There was nothing to depreciate or write off with uh, when you're in the license. It's it, it's like being an actor or a musician. You you get paid a license fee. So. I was used to paying paying taxes, and 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 it was just anyway. I never and 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 the, I got involved in politics because my first partner in two thousand and seven grew up with the Romney family. I met Mitt Romney. My mother was a Lithuanian immigrant that came to United States of America uh, in in nineteen fifty two. Came to Ellis Island, followed the process, became a citizen, and she became homecoming queen at University of Illinois in nineteen fifty nine. So, and my father was an entrepreneur as well. So for me, I only I, I became active in politics not for any reason at all, except I wanted people to be able to do what I was able to do, which is work really really hard. Uh, create something, and 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 I have become, you know, a uh, uh, a very wealthy guy. And never, you know, and and I and so I became when I got active in politics, I had no idea 
how what a what a dirty rotten game it was. I mean, I I built my business in Midwest America and I did everything in Midwest America and I I did it in small town America and I always paid all my taxes. I never wanted any favors. I just wanted people to have the same opportunity that I had and I thought Mitt Romney was a really decent guy. Never knowing, I was completely naive about this 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 game of politics. And and one of my biggest weaknesses, Paul, is that I have a real hard time with the obvious. So if it's right in front of my face, that's when I really miss it. So I just missed it. I, I didn't know about it. So so I want to go back to the bullying and the hate and the vitriol. When 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 the when the when the, when the attack started coming uh, uh, against me, and and then and then and then when I was involved in the, in, in politics, you know, in, in the election, uh, I I had death threats, and and so I I have a very complex security detail around me now because of that but I had no idea about it but the bullying was something that that that, that when I was a kid it happened to me uh, when I opened up my first Jimmy John's word got out my father was successful your daddy built you a business that wasn't true I knew it wasn't true but it was hard still it hurts. Was, it, it, yeah it still it, it well you know it did but but now I understand it a lot more you know it makes people a lot more comfortable if so if somebody says gee his dad did this for him or gee he made this on the back of of of, of minimum wage employees or he did this by taking advantage of people it makes people feel a lot better about where their situation is boy if they just did those bad things if they just took advantage of people boy if their parents just had dough you know they would have been able to do it as opposed to saying you know this guy sacrificed nights weekends he didn't get married till he was 35 years old and and have his first child at 35 years old he's sacrificed nights weekends you know snowy days are the busiest days you know cleaning throw up out of bathrooms late at night and all the sexy things that come with, with running Jimmy John's stores. It's really hard to, you know, it's, it's hard to give somebody that because you're like, you know, that guy really worked his butt off to do what he did. I mean, he really sacrificed a lot to do what he did. Well, you've called yourself a 35-year overnight success. That's right, yeah. I, I, I'm so, a 35-year overnight success. So exactly. in essence, uh, it quit bothering you as much or maybe completely because once you understood human nature and what was behind those comments, thoughts, suggestions, you say, well, you can't control what, how they think. It's, yeah. only, it's only really what you can deal well, with. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. The more that I understood human nature, Paul, for sure. And, and I think I'm probably a little bit late, a, a late bloomer. And, uh, what, what do you mean by yeah? Okay, you know, I think I, I think I'm just a late bloomer. I, th- I think that, uh, that I, for some reason, you know, do you think because you were so buried in the twenty four seven three sixty five that you didn't really have time to focus in on some of those outside issues? One hundred percent. I mean, I, I really from 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 two thousand to two thousand and sixteen, it was twenty four seven three sixty five. It was it was nonstop. I mean, really. I mean, Paul, when we when we ramped up and really started going in in two thousand and 2006 we, we were opening 30 restaurants a month and every single one of those restaurants we had to approve the site make the construction plans for and do a pre-construction and a post-construction walkthrough so that's four site visits doing 30 stores a month is 120 site visits a month uh, you know, and that was just for what we had, you know, that was actually opening. And then we, so, 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 I mean, when you start doing volume like that, I mean, we were flying three planes uh, out of Flightstar here. I think we employed over maybe close to 20 pilots at one point here at Flightstar in Champaign. And we were flying, you know, 1,000, 1,400 hours 
a year just out of Champagne because we had to do we we had to do all this this work and and so for sure you know when you come up and, and, and when you come up for air you come up for air and uh, but for sure and then and then when I've sold in 2016. Uh, to Roar Capital, um, you know, I think I think that, that that from that time to now has been very introspective, and I've learned uh, a lot about human nature, and and I'm not mad at it. It just is what it is, and and human beings are human beings. Did you get a stronger dose of it during those deals? Did you get to really see how people can behave when really big money's on the line? Does it change? You know what? I don't think. Uh, things change uh, when when you, when there's really big money on the line. As a matter of fact, I think when you get to that level, um, you, you know it's uh, it, it, it all is fair in love and war. And this, you know, it, it's a negotiation. Um, but I think there's the same uh, same amount of uh, 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 whether it's a, a a lower dollar deal or a high dollar deal. I'm guessing there's the same percentage of of just. Um, you know, um, you know, every man for himself, right? You're trying sure. to you're trying to to do what you can do for for yourself, and and that's and that's called negotiation. But is that where you see people's true character show up? You know, where you the, I think that um, you, you do sometimes in the negotiation, but where you but where I really see people's character really show up is after the deal is done, when there is written uh, uh, rules and guidelines, and then you have a bit of a fiduciary duty uh, and, and a fiduciary obligation. And, and it's not based on virtuous or how virtuous you right. are, or, you know, uh, or, um, uh, but it, 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 where, you, where you really see people is, is, is once once the deal happens. Um, uh, 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 and and so once the deal happens and everything's done, for example, I I I, I sold Jimmy John's and I have um, investments in uh, in franchises of uh, Taco Bell, Arby's, Panera, um, uh, and um, Sonic um, and uh, Lumalnati's Pizza, Krispy Kreme, Einstein. Uh, um, I'm part of these different groups that have done different uh, uh, restaurant deals. So my partners are are all aware of of these investments that, that, that I have and, uh, and recently, um, have be, have, have, have put together a group and, and have acquired a, a coffee business called seven brew coffee based out of Bentonville, Rogers, Arkansas. Coffee is not in my, uh, non-compete agreement, but I did a full presentation to my part, to the people that bought me. And I said, look, this is the business I'm going into. This is my plans with it, and I just want to make sure that you guys bless it so that I don't do anything that, you know, you guys are – I just don't want to step on your toes. I didn't have to do that, and I did it. And they were incredibly appreciative, and they gave me full blessing to go go for it and, 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 and build this business. So, you know, that's a fiduciary duty, but you, I really – I think that – Two th- I, t- a couple of things. After a deal's done and based on what the rules were said and not said um, – you know, you really see people for who they are. I also, um, uh, what, 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 for me to see somebody about who they are is when they come into uh, a bunch of dough or they come into some money, some unexpected money. It was very interesting uh, because I believe money accelerates what a person really is and it, 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 it accelerates them faster into becoming, you know, whatever they are, they, 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 they would be with, with money. You can see the personality come through. And, and when, I, when, when we sold our business, we had 17 executives at Jimmy John's uh, that received, uh, uh, that became multimillionaires. And of those 17, 14 of them were promoted from the sandwich shop, literally uh, started, you know, in the sandwich shop some, right. somewhere or another. 
And I was expecting when when these millionaire when these people got all the we I think between those seventeen people we paid out about one hundred and eighty million dollars to those seventeen people all around that, that that were here in Champaign, Muhammad, Monticello, but my execs, and I thought you know half of them would quit. I thought three quarters of them would be right, out of here. I, would too. I didn't know which ones, but I'll be darn if none of them change your lifestyle. The majority of them continue to do what they're doing now. A bunch of them are with the people that that acquired us, and uh, and a bunch of them have be, uh, some have become entrepreneurs. My director of marketing started his own marketing shop. Chris Newman, our real estate guy, went to work for a, a big developer here in Champaign. Uh, but other than that, I mean, it was really cool. But money really accelerates people. But do you think that's a leadership thing? In other words, uh, I, I saw you quote once said, "Speak less, show more." And for leaders, what you do is ten x, ten times. Uh, good or bad it just it's it's magnified do you think they here because my if someone would have said jim john's going to be a billionaire tomorrow uh i would think well he's got his yacht and he probably buys an island and he just chills out yeah. but here you are you just rattled off maybe a dozen ventures that you're invested in and you're working just as hard now as you did then do you think there's any relationship between what you ended up doing and and them keying off that you know i would guess that uh People really follow leadership if it's good leadership. Great leaders will work for for great great employees will work for great leaders, and and uh, I think they probably saw some of the way that that I acted and, and what you know the way that I that I acted. But the the thing with me, Paul, is that, is that 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 I, I sold the the major the control of Jimmy John's in sixteen, and then in nineteen I owned the last thirty five percent, and I did I did a stock for stock exchange with Inspire Brands. So I'm the single largest single shareholder of Inspire Brands, which is Arby's. Buffalo Wild Wings, Sonic, and, and Jimmy John's, and um, uh, I, I, I do think that that uh, uh, they the my example for sure influenced them. They'd been with me for a long, long time. I mean, some of these kids started me when they're eighteen, and and this deal went down, and they're thirty eight. That that that's a long time for them to be with me. But um, uh, gosh. Uh, as far as and then as far as the other ventures go, Paul, I've been I've been start I've been doing other ventures since two thousand and seven, uh, when I had my first uh, uh, real uh, uh, significant deal. But even in two thousand and seven, Jimmy John's was, uh, you know, we we were very very successful and an outlier in our category. And because we we're in the Midwest and we were and we didn't talk about it, nobody knew about Jimmy John's. And if you're not on the left coast or the right coast. Uh, then, then you don't exist in America because obviously you're not in LA or New York, so you don't exist. So it really shocked them when you know when it happened. You're listening to Paul Rudy's 52 Minutes with today. I have 52 Minutes with Jimmy John Leoto, founder of Jimmy John's, and lots of other stuff. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Welcome back to Paul Rudy's 52 Minutes with today. I have 52 Minutes with Jimmy John Leoto. Well, <clears throat> what we've covered a lot so far in this. I want to circle just a little bit back. Kind of this, I was a kid that got picked on, picked last. Yeah. It kind of felt, did, is that, any part of that drive your success? Was there anything to prove? Well, you know, I, you know, I don't know if there was anything to prove or not, Paul, but I'll tell you one thing that, that, that when you get judged by your appearance and you're discriminated against the way that I was discriminated against, it's horrific. It's, it's not, it is 
from the, when you're a little kid and little kids point at you and poke at you at, at the grocery store when you're, you know, you're five, six, seven, eight years old and people are, 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 are knocking on you and, you know, and, 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 uh, and then, and then growing up and becoming a young adult and going into a restaurant, uh, you know, by, by myself to have, to, to have a meal. And uh, I w- and I'm a big guy now, but I was a much bigger guy then. And, and, uh, uh, and, and and there's tables obviously available in front, and they march you up the stairs and put you in the back room corner and sit you down. You know that stuff's real. So you know when anybody's discriminated against for anything, it really sucks. And 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 I've been discriminated against uh, 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 for that. I've been discriminated against for being successful. I mean, there's so much discrimination. That that it's brutal. So anybody that gets discriminated against, I'm sorry, man. It sucks, and welcome to the club. And uh, and 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 uh, and you know, does it still hurt? You know, I'm, I'm at this point in time, Paul. I'm 56, and I'm I'm just I'm just over it. You know, if 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 somebody wants to reflect on me about me being horrible, typically. I put them in my prayers, and they need a hug. So why do you think uh, over the years you've kind of been a little bit of a lightning rod at times, even in your own community that you've done so much in? Yeah. Um, do you think you created any of your own? I mean, when we see the hunting picture, that yeah. seems to just in a liberal town like this. Yeah. Uh, it seems like that's going to be a natural lightning strike right there. Yeah. Well, let's talk about yeah. those hunting pictures. That came from uh, Ruthie, who worked for Michael's Catering. Uh, Ruthie was an African-American lady that worked that that would cater parties for us forever and she was a friend of mine on Facebook and she lifted those parties off of my Facebook page and she put the, she gave them to Seth the kid that don't the guy that don't smile politely here in Champaign and when I became active in politics that they put that on the internet and that blew up and went worldwide and now it's just been repeated and repeated and repeated and we I, we did forensic research on who's funding all of this stuff it's all done uh, by a political party parties uh, uh that's who's funding so this it. all circles back to politics all circles you feel back like to if politics. you wouldn't have gotten into politics maybe those issues don't pop up 100 percent. this wow. was all politically driven the irs attacked us the unions attacked us they attacked us uh, via uh, uh, political packs against us yeah it was how do you feel when you're when you do so much good for people and i'm not trying to be your lobbyist here but uh, i know a lot of the things that you do that nobody knows about from a charitable uh causes um just the sheer, if you looked at just the sick side of business, just how many hotel rooms uh, you fill uh, over over the years and all those people you bring into town and all the money they spend, yeah. yet you get attacked over the years. You know, you the know, state of Illinois went after you for labor issues. Yeah, well, that was that was Lisa Madigan. That was on, on a not to compete. And, and the reason that we had a not to compete is we would have people that had, would. this was way, way before all these labor laws became... Big, like 20 years ago, we would have people, they'd be in the sandwich business, they'd come work for us, sign up for us, and come steal trade secrets. They'd come and come work for us and go through training with us, and they'd, my delivery areas are very surgical, and they're very, very, they take a lot of time to design a proper delivery area. I'd have competitors come in and steal my, my, my mapping and everything that I was doing. So my non-compete was never to take advantage of anybody, right? It was simply, uh, you know, it was it was to protect my, my intellectual property, and, and the, the policy Politics spun it all into me being this greedy, awful, terrible individual, and so uh, you know. But even going back further into, into into how this affected me as a human being, and I lost I lost track of what I wanted to tell you, Paul. But when, when being discriminated against for how I looked, which happened, which was part of my life, 
gave me huge compassion for people that that had whatever one thing, one thing was really bad teeth mm-hmm. if you have really bad teeth you know you are just immediately you're just you just they're not hiring you to be a cash register welcome to mcdonald's you right. know with a big smile and when you're so so I, I i made a relationship with scott anderson here in town who runs a great dental office and he kept yeah, a chair for us and we every week we'd bring in thirty more people into training class. And during the class, anybody that had uh, that was missing teeth, or or that's where it started, was with teeth, or had you know a rotten or whatever, right. Just whatever dental it was. issues that we were... dental issues. We sent them to Scott Anderson, and I paid the full bill. And we had a way that that, that we approached the individual, and, and then and then we moved it into tattoos, visible tattoos, or when people had distortions and gauges in their ears, we had a plastic surgeon. So. I can't tell you how many thousands of teeth that we fixed here while people came to training. That, I never even knew these people. And that's because you could identify with it. Because I could identify with it. there's pain associated it. with oh, that. Oh, my goodness. Great. And and how many people, there's nothing worse than get, being a good dude and getting discriminated because of how you look. It, it's horrible. So Well, I mean, I've been discriminated for all my good looks. Uh, you know, it's, it's just bad. Well, that, that's so, the difference between you and me. Let me ask you a business question. Yeah. I remember the guy, one of the founders of Home Depot said, if... When he founded it, if it was like today, he wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah. Could you, if you had to, if you were, how old, 19-year-old Jimmy? Yeah. Uh, and it was under today's labor laws, taxation, all those issues, Does could you could you have built it, all things being equal? There's no way. There's no way. We, we built this thing. When I started, we, made, we, we all paid ourselves $200 a week as managers, and employees got $3.35 an hour. And and that was the model. And 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 my sandwiches were two dollars and ten cents. Now minimum a manager's pay is forty six thousand dollars a year minimum, and uh, and minimum wage for for all intents and purposes is fifteen bucks an hour. So if my so so minimum so minimum wage is if is five x what it was when I started. So my sandwich really should be five x what the price was when I started, Paul. So my sandwich was two ten. For me to catch up, I'd have to charge ten fifty for my sandwich right now that I'm getting five ninety five for, or that Jimmy John's is getting five ninety five for. So we've absorbed all of that. And anymore, it, I think that you're going to see the small mom and pop shops are are are, are going to go away. There's no way you can sustain a, a small business model with the manager rules and the new labor laws that were created from the last administration and the minimum wage. It just doesn't work. It just it just doesn't work. The math doesn't work. So uh, Jimmy John's before the unintended consequences of the labor law changes from the last administration, the average Jimmy John's was four hundred thousand dollars to open, and the average unit cash flow at $161,000. We gave the manager 25% of that $161,000. So they made their base pay, which is like 36. They got 40 in bonus. They were making $76,000 a year. Our delivery drivers with tips were making 20 to 25 bucks an hour. And our part-time employees were making whatever, whatever scale was in that town. And, um, and, and the, and the new department of labor said that they, that the bonus doesn't count uh, as compensation, and uh, and neither do the tips that the drivers were making, and and so the 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 the, 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 the you know as as well intended as they were with fifteen dollar wage, now with COVID and the shutdown of the mom and pop businesses that were just barely hanging on right. as a result of the added cost with the labors and insurance, uh, this is Big Brother's taking over everything. It's going to be Amazon, Uber Eats, you know, and the and the big companies, and mom and pop America is is uh, unfortunately is going away. We've made it to the math doesn't work the math doesn't work so this is a family issue here with you made an interesting statement you won the horatio alger uh, award 
Yes. Which is a very prominent, distinguished award. Yes. Uh, if you just look at the past winners. And I pulled the transcript. I watched it as well, of course. I watched it while you were doing it or right after. Part of it says, you know, I thank you, Leslie, for taking over my life. Uh, it's because this is transcript. It's not going to be perfect. Uh, and continues the training. I appreciate appreciate it. And to my kids, you paid a huge price. Um, well, tell me about that. Yeah, that's that's our one. You know the 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 shit. Those kids, those, those kids of mine, they 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 didn't get a dad. They just didn't get a dad. Did you? Um, Did you? Uh, for all intents and purposes, no. Okay. Uh, um, but Mike, I mean, I was twenty four seven. So when you are doing what I was doing, uh, you know, opening thirty restaurants a month, signing up forty five new franchises a month, you know, sales a month, and and for what we were doing. And champagne. I mean, uh, uh, my kids just didn't get a dad, and uh, and they paid a huge, pr- huge yeah. price uh, for, for for it. Um, uh, they went to boarding school on the East Coast in high school. Uh, my kids were discriminated against in the schools here uh, by the teachers that they that 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 were teaching them in the public schools. Uh, they were uh, discriminate. Uh, they were. They, they were. My, my son Spencer was discriminated against uh, because he was my son, and um, and uh, so my my kids went to school. They went to the East Coast to the boarding school, and and I worked. And, um, uh, and tell me about how, because it seems to me from all indications they've turned out to be. A, particularly normal Mike my, my kids are uh, if you if you looked at any of my children's uh, uh, Instagram or any of their social media pages you would never know one thing about my children's father being Jimmy John uh, you would never know about any of of the of, of, of their life you would have no idea about any of that stuff you know why because it doesn't matter it's not them they they are their own kids they are they are incredibly normal they are balanced they are hardworking. my kids work their asses off all of my kids were certified jimmy john's managers at 15 years old which was against the law you couldn't you can't use the meat slicer till you're 18 yeah well i i took the risk on that bet my kids were certified jimmy john's managers um, my son Fred is at uh, Johnson Wales uh, uh, University in, in Providence, Rhode Island. He's going to be a master chef. He's he, uh, Lucy, my daughter, is at University of Iowa. She's the assistant uh, to Coach Ferens, who's a football coach there. Uh, she's a journalism major, and and uh, she's working her butt off for Coach. She's going to graduate uh, a semester early this December. And my son Spencer. Uh, is out in Salt Lake, and he's got his own uh, production company. So he does uh, uh, videos and advertisements, um, uh, full production, and he's a high-quality, low-cost producer for anybody that needs uh, needs any of that kind of work. <laughs> it's called Toad Style Productions, and Spencer is just kicking ass. So I've got three very normal, very hardworking kids with a great handshake. They'll look you in the eye, and they'll ask you questions about yourself because they're interested. And um, So how did that happen if you weren't around, or were you at least when you were around, but are we, does this circle back? Now to Leslie, I would wife. say I would I would say I think for sure it circles back to Leslie. I mean, she's an exceptional woman. She's she's a hell of a mother, and uh, uh, and I think that um, by and large, even though I wasn't present, I was really consistent. Um, uh, we raised the kids. No means no. No negotiating. We didn't have chicken finger babies. They ate what we put in front of them. Uh, we didn't put them in special classes. They, you know, we gave them one activity per per semester to do. So we weren't helicopter parents. They weren't going from dance to jungle gym to karate to football to baseball to baton. You know, we, the, my kids got to be kids, and uh, 
Uh, but we had very strict boundaries with them, and I think with boundaries uh, and, and, and consistency, uh, kids have self-confidence. And when they have self-confidence and they're hard workers, you know, they're, 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 you know, their self-confidence and their genetics are going to take them to where they go. So, I think that discipline and boundaries creates a certain level of safety, too. I may not like it, but I feel safe. Someone else is in charge. I'm not a little chihuahua that's afraid that I'm the one in charge, so I have to bark all the time. Absolutely. I, for sure. For sure, Paul. And part of that Horatio uh, speech... Um, Sounds like these were some pretty powerful kids from uh, from watching the video. You can watch it on YouTube. You can go to your site, I think, jimmyjohnleotow.com. Yeah, yeah. I can spell your name, but most people can't. Spencer Atkins, our friend, still doesn't get my name right, does he? <laughs> you, wrote, you said to them, I really did think I had it tough, a tough go. Uh, I really did, but I thought it was tough. But then I met a bunch of you last year, and I, and a bit, because of the translation's all screwed up through YouTube. And I met a bunch uh, more yesterday and a bunch more today. And I have to say it makes my challenges and things that I went through look pretty petty. And you, you, you went on to tell them that, you know, here are the true heroes in the room and the obstacles that you've encountered. You're un they're unfortunate uh, and they sucked. And it's not fair and I'm sorry. I'm sorry I'm going to tell you, but some of these obstacles, obstacles you've gone through have made you better people because you've been forced to go through those obstacles and figure out how to weave your way through. You were a little bit emotional during that speech, I think. It looked oh, like yeah. it. Um, was that like an epiphany? Is there something goes off that says, wow, I, maybe I didn't have it as tough and you got to see another side of life out there maybe? Yeah. Maybe you knew it was there, but maybe you hadn't talked to anybody that actually lived it. Yeah, well, you know, mine was tough and it was uncomfortable, but it was it wasn't like it wasn't insurmountable. You know, I mean, I met I met one gal, African American gal. She was like fourteen years old. Uh, her mother died. She raised her siblings, and she had a child. And here she's graduating from her class, and she's she's valedictorian in her class at seventeen years old, raising her own child and raising her siblings. You know, most of these kids at Horatio their parents are in prison. They, I mean, these are these are kids that have gone through the worst, worst, worst stuff in the world, and uh, and they and and they become leaders in in their high schools, and they've they they've, they're given this college scholarship, uh, you know, the paid for college scholarship, and and so uh, when I really Dug deep and got into it. It's amazing what some of these kids have been through. It's uh, it's amazing, uh, you know. It, yeah, yeah. It was very emotional because I had this whole big written speech, and I'm just like, I'm not giving this speech. You know, you guys are the heroes in the room, not me. And I and and I and it's important that these kids that had had so much stuff happen to them at such a young age. And as soon as it, I connected the dots, I said, you know what, your your kids are lucky. You're so far ahead of the naturally gifted A student, naturally gifted quarterback that was naturally handsome and could naturally sing, etc. Uh, you know, the fact that you've been through all this hard stuff already, it's not just puppies and, 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 and peppermint sticks out there. I mean, it's a rough world and these kids were are way far ahead. Do you of, think of, they do you think they knew that? Or was this maybe the first time they might have heard that? I think it was the first time they ever heard it. For sure. You're listening to Paul Rudy's fifty two minutes with today I have fifty two minutes with Jimmy John Leoto. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. Welcome back to fifty two minutes with this is Paul Rudy, and I'm here today with Jimmy John Leotode. It's quite a discussion so far today. When did I hear that you might have uh, gotten, were threatened to be kicked out of your Elgin Academy where you went to high school? What was that all about? So I was a freshman at Elgin Academy, and my parents put me at private school. I was, I, it, I had a rough go. And so about six months in, they, the school wanted to kick me out. 
and the for discipline. What? What, what just was... because I just I didn't follow the rules and I was a smart ass and I was just uh, an insecure kid. You've um, said you can't read, but I know you can read, but. Yeah, I can read, but I'm dyslexic. I can't read like like a whole page, or or I I need everything. I just really need bullet points okay. because I'm dyslexic, and I, I I it gets all mumbo jumbled in my head. So I need I can people like Leslie. Now when we get a letter, Leslie, my wife will read it to me. Got it. So, so that could even be part of this. So you're just not great going with the flow like so many kids do. Yeah, for sure. And they didn't and they want to kick me out. And Jim Lyons, a disciplinary deed, said, told the school if you're going to kick Jimmy out, then I'm leaving too. And so Jim Lyons took me under his wing in high school and said, listen. And I'm who's Jim, Jim Lyons is? He, he was the disciplinary dean at Elgin Academy. <laughs> okay. And he said, listen, I'm going to get you through high school and I'm going to do this, but you got to trust me. And he put his arm around me and he took care of me. And he made me work and he made me focus and he helped me with my homework. And he sat side by side with me through my whole high school and I graduated Elgin Academy. Now, I graduated second and last in my class, but I graduated. And so it's a great it's a great story. I had an opportunity 10 years ago to... Uh, to make a, a, a big donation uh, to the school, and uh, they want to name it the Leotel Upper School, and I said, no, it's going to be the Leotel Lions Upper School. <laughs> so one of the highlights of my success was to go back to Elgin Academy with Jim Lyons and, and name the school. So that was a special one. He's a special guy, and he still is a special guy in my life. Why do you think he did that? What, what he took on a project? You know, I think we just had chemistry, and I think for some reason he saw through my my awkwardness and my insecurity uh, uh, and I think he saw through that. He saw the real me, and he just liked it. And uh, and we just had a bond, and I trusted him, and he trusted me. I think it was probably chemistry. What do you think happens if that guy doesn't do that? If oh, you, I would have been. Lyons... If, if that didn't happen, and my father was bankrupt, I would have don't. I would have been. I don't. It would have been a disaster. So sometimes it's that mentor in life. You're big on mentors. You've had them. Yeah. Not just him. You've had others. Yeah. Um, is that one of the key ingredients, maybe part, part of the success that you've had? Well, for sure. I mean, it takes two to tango with a mentor, right? Um, so I had I had him as a kid, and then I had Jamie Coulter, who founded Lone Star Steakhouse and Sullivan's and, and then owned Del Frisco's. And Jamie picked me up when he was a, he was a Pizza Hut operator in 88. And Jamie mentored me my whole life. He had 25 Pizza Huts when I met him. I think he built it to 125 stores and sold them. And he created Lone Star. And and, and uh, he was Forbes Magazine best small run company in America two years in a row. But Jamie coached me my whole life. And I would say between Jim Lyons and Jamie Coulter. Uh, and, and also, let me tell you, as a mentee, when they would give me advice, I executed on the advice. So it really, it's like a marriage. It takes two to tango. If you want a mentor to be interested in you, you know, it's important to take the advice, execute on it, and come back, look for feedback, and then they get interested. I think when they see success, like with Horatio Alger, I've got about a dozen mentees all over the country. And, um, uh, and so the kids that really uh, work really, really hard to 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 to, to be self aware and to engage in self improvement and and ask good questions, the kids that act on it, they're the ones that I'm most interested in helping. It makes it a lot of fun to work with kids that that the people. It's fun to work with people that want to help themselves, right? Because yeah, you can only sure. help people that want to help themselves. Period. You can throw money at it forever, but unless you want to help yourself, you're not going to change. Even in my career, you know, we have all have our philosophies and theories and. I can only I'm only going to save the people that want to be saved and you know and I I've, I've learned I've maybe it's cuz I'm 60 I've learned to just first of all figure out who they are ahead of time. Yeah. But if you didn't do that ahead of time, 
how to deal with it and get get rid of that. Yeah, but thanks so, for asking about Jim. And uh, yeah, he was a special guy. Yeah, and speaking to Jim, just um, briefly, um, tell me about your relationship with your dad. He was a powerful guy. He's intimidating to yeah. me. I remember doing some things with you guys, uh, and he always, for some reason, almost freaked me out, intimidated me because it was that kind of a presence. Now you, you kind of share that gene in yeah. many ways because uh, I can see how people, I can see people behave what. As soon as they're with you, they get a little uptight, and I think it's that powerful presence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know, it's interesting. I had an interview from a, a, a young man from the News Gazette. Uh, uh, oh gosh, I forget his Zimmerman, name. I think. Yeah, Ben, Ben, ben Zingerman. Well, he's a great guy, and uh, uh, I remember uh, when I did that. Um, uh, when I did that interview with Ben. Uh, he said, "You know, you talk really, really loud." And I said, "Ben, I'm deaf. I can't, I'm, I'm, I'm." He said, "You are." I'm like, "Yes, I'm half deaf." He said, "You're so loud." I said, "I'm sorry, man. I'm freaking. I'm deaf." Yeah, I remember being on a beach in Saint Tropez with you. <laughs> and I'm really. I was just a mere pilot fish among the rich guys, and I just remember because in Europe they like their peace and quiet and <laughs> we were we were a little off the charts i could hear your voice from across the beach yeah and i and i have a distinct voice so uh, yeah my father my father was an intense guy and um uh he was he really strict was, he was an intense guy and um um and he was uh, powerful and um and after that bankruptcy in 76 he was a very successful guy i mean he uh, when he died six years ago uh, yeah he he was a wealthy guy and uh uh, but he was powerful, and uh, University of Illinois is a Leoto Business School up at UIC in Chicago, and uh, and that's pretty cool. He and I did that donation together uh, to name that school, and yeah, he was just a powerful guy. Was and, was he? Do you did you ever? Was there ever a competition, so to speak? He's a fierce entrepreneur. He has a son that's a fierce entrepreneur on paper, doing better than dad. You know, at least financially speaking. Uh, did that ever enter in it, or was he just always your constant cheerleader? No, I think that my father was a, was a cheerleader, and I think probably the last 10 years as I just became more self-aware and more comfortable, especially the, you know, the, last, the last five years of his life, and I really had gone through so much. And, and, and you know, anybody in my position has, had their, has, been, has had, been sucker punched. I don't care sure. who you are, you've been sucker punched, you know. And um, so at the end, what I did, uh, Paul, is I really just tried to always um, – I tried not to ha drink around him so that I could always just, you know, pr offer him the respect. I tried to, uh, when things he escalated, I tried to de-escalate. And, uh, I mean, even, even at the end, um, uh, I had a dream, and, uh, and I, I love boats, and I built this boat. And even at the end of my dad's life, I just, I, I, never, I never showed him the boat. You know, I had it for about a year before he died, and I didn't even bring it up because it, I think it did bother him, and I think it was hard on him. But he, he, he would champion me to other people, but privately he was very, very hard on me. And I, I, think, I don't know if that's a dad thing, um, but I'm, 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 I'm pretty much over that too. You yeah, know? I figured. Um, uh, I sense that. I, that's why I asked the question because I, I never asked you that before, but I always felt like there was some of that dynamic. Yeah, he was tough. He was hard, and it was hard for him to acknowledge in private. You know, even at the end of his life, he was on his deathbed, and and I was there with my cousin Johnny, and and we were there at the hospital in Chicago, and and uh, Johnny said to him, "Hey, Big Jim, do you have any regrets?" And my dad said, "You know, I really don't. I, uh, you know, all the things that I did, um, I, I had a reason for doing them," and uh, that was a really interesting reply. 
you yeah. know, because, of, uh, if, you know, if my kids ask me, you know, do you have any regrets? <laughs> I would say, you know, I, I wish that I realized the value of time 15 years ago when you guys were little kids. And I wish I went to every one of your swim meets and volleyball games and baseball games and didn't. And uh, I do have, you know, I wish I would have. Yeah. And I didn't realize uh, how fast time went until, you know, I woke up and here I'm 56 years old. And, you know, what do I want to be when I grow up? You yeah. know, <laughs> because it's. Uh, and I want to get to that. But um, we've, you and I have talked. I, I, I can never remember the numbers of hotel rooms and those kind of, you know, dynamics in this town. And I'm not sure anybody has any idea. I suppose there's a hotel owner or two that might. Sure. Um, that you ever got credit for that? Maybe you're not looking for that credit. No, it's. But it, I was stunned when I heard the numbers from. Yeah. You. Well, this is this is this is this is fact. Since 2005 uh, until 2018, we averaged 27,699 hotel rooms per year. So uh, here in Champaign. So when you think about 27,700 hotel rooms a year, and that was that was just for operations and training. And then we, we, we had another 6,037 franchise sales meetings where we brought people in from out of town. So typically that was a two-night stay. So we are really, we're, we're, we're right at about a half a million hotel rooms that we had in, used in Champaign, you know, at the hotels here. And I remember always reading about the amazing job the Champaign tourism director was doing in raising hotel room <laughs> occupancy. And here I'm doing 25 hotel room nights a month in Champaign, right? You should so have I, got her bonus. Yeah, it, it made me smile. And uh, uh, but I'm, I, I love that. And then also the number of, of, of patients we, that we sent over to Dr. Anderson to repair their, their, their teeth or this plastic surgery we did or stopping at, uh, you know, at uh, uh, at Walgreens to get a prescription or buying a tire or going to uh, to Parham's uh, 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 auto repair shop or buying a Pepsi from John Comet or or uh, buying a beer from Carlos and Tiffany Nieto or whatever. And the, people, the, the, the amount of people that we sent through Mays because we had a list of the best, the best of champagne for people to go to. I mean, it's astronomical when you think about that many hotel rooms. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's astronomical to think about the people that we – I mean, I repaved the, the, our, our Devonshire Drive here uh, or Fox Drive here. I mean, the road was so bad and we had so many people coming through. I paid for that road to be paved because I was embarrassed about the, the quality of the road that, you know, people were coming in to, in to see at, at our office. And the city was nice a lot, enough to allow me to do that, which, and I was privileged to do it. I appreciate, you know, appreciate them allowing me to do it. Do you think that you get the appreciation for uh, a lot of the things that you've done in, for this community? Well, I think I think Paul that 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 uh, if if there is some appreciation for what what Leslie and I and Jimmy Johns have contributed to the community, uh, those people that have the capacity to understand the depth of it and and the layers and layers of it and the magnitude of it, um, those people are incredibly appreciative of uh, of, of 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 us and and those uh, where that free enterprise makes the hair stand up on the back of their neck uh, or or the fact that I'm uneducated, overweight, can't read, and I'm a self-made billionaire uh, that has given back every cent that I've made in this community since 2005 to the community, you know, there's no way you're going to like me. I'm, I'm, I'm this horrible person. I mean, just look me up on the Internet, right? So, uh, you know, I think for those that understand it, for sure, and those that don't, don't. But either way, you know, um, uh, I'm not living for, for those guys. I'm, I'm really living for me and, and, and for my family and, and my community. And, and uh, so, uh, you know what? Uh, it is what it is. 
Yeah. You have a lot of energy. Where does that come from? I mean, it's just incredible. My energy is God-given energy, Paul. It, it, I was born with it. My father had a lot of energy, and yeah. I, I yeah. just have a lot of energy. I mean, my day started yesterday. I started uh, in Nashville yesterday at, at 6 a.m. on a plane, flew to Palm Beach. I had a meeting from 9 to noon, flew back to Champaign, worked from 1 to 5, flew to Chicago last night, had a meeting from 6 to 9, flew back here this morning, landed, worked in, my, in the test kitchen. I'm working on the coffee stuff. Now I'm here to you do the radio show. I mean, but and I'm just I'm, I'm very good with it. I'm going to Nashville tomorrow. I've got some stuff to do in Nashville. There's a there's a big debate happening there tomorrow. So that that's oh, exciting. And um, is uh, your so, restaurant you know, open down there yet? No, but we're, I'm building a we're building a, a, a building a, a, a giant restaurant and I'll, I'll share more. Uh, uh, with it later on, but we're building a giant restaurant at Fifth and Broadway, right in downtown Nashville. A monster! This thing is a monster, and it's uh, we're we're right on schedule to open up in March. You, you're and obviously you're interested in politics still. Um, you were quoted as saying, "Freedom is a privilege, and it has to be protected. Not it should be, not it can be, but it has to be." Is that because now you're 56, you're starting to think about your kids, eventually grandkids? Um, from a policy standpoint, from a protective parent standpoint, is that is that what's behind that, or is it just more fundamental than that? Yeah, well, it comes from this. I mean, remember, my mother came from Lithuania when Russia invaded Lithuania. She lived in a DP camp for two years. My dad's side was black, came to break the color line to Chicago to get out of that that discrimination, right? So when you when, 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 and then I was raised, I never knew that freedom had to be protected. Even up until I started helping Mitt Romney, I didn't realize what a privilege it was to have freedom until it started to be threatened and it started being taken away. And Bloomberg said, you can only have this big a Coca-Cola and you have to have this insurance. You have to get paid this much money and everybody needs a telephone and everybody needs air conditioning and everybody deserves direct TV and everybody, de- you know, all of a sudden, all these, first of all, who and who says what we deserve? And where does it come from? And, and then, and then also, uh, where do these people put themselves on such a pedestal to tell me how big of a Coca Cola I can have in New York City? You know. So I, when I saw this stuff happening, I realized that freedom is a real privilege, and it has to be protected. And if it's not, the weaker will try to take it over and 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 and, and make you know make us Venezuela. So you want to be Venezuela? You want to be Cuba? You know, go ahead, disrespect freedom. All right. Well, I'm going to ask you online. I mean, on the line, online, on the radio right now. Maybe you'll come back because I could do another part two, part three, and probably up to part six. If anybody has, if we do that, if anybody wants to send an email in to talk at wdws.com with questions for Jimmy, I promise I'll do a follow up. Uh, we'll do a follow up uh, interview or talk session yeah, uh, in, in the coming weeks, and maybe we'll maybe we'll get to some more interesting things. I could. There's another two or three hours that I could get to. So anyway, but thanks, Jimmy, for being on my show today. You've been gracious. You've been open. I think that's part of your life and story people need to hear. This is Paul Rudy for Paul Rudy's 52 Minutes With. Today I've been with 52 Minutes with Jimmy John Leoteau. Thanks for listening.